Well, this evening we're turning to John's Gospel, chapter 16, please. John 16, and we'll read from verse 23, and we'll read through to the end of the chapter, not necessarily coming to this uh, portion or a verse here straight away, but we'll eventually wind our way back uh, to here. So John chapter um, 16, and reading from verse 23. So let's hear the word of the Lord. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me. And I believe that I am come out from God. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Though, now speakest thou plainly and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen. And we trust the Lord will bless the reading of His truth to our hearts. Let's just pray once again, please. Pray the Lord will use the word tonight. He's directed my thoughts. That be a blessing and encouragement. Uh, maybe not for you now, at this moment in time, but that the Lord will help you store it up in your heart and be a prophet to you even in future days. But let's, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Eternal God and gracious Father, we thank Thee that the Father does love us. And we thank thee, Lord, that you do know what we have need of even before we ask. And surely the need for now, this very moment, is for the Holy Ghost himself to come and to infill this preacher. And Lord, I pray that he will come and apply and administer the word to all who have assembled and for those who watch online. I pray that you would forgive me of my sin. Lord, there's daily defilement, but I thank thee there is daily cleansing. Rejoice in the precious blood that keeps on cleansing from sin. And so, Father, I pray that you will forgive me, that you would wash me and cleanse me and fill me full of the Holy Ghost. I pray, O oh God, that the Word will be a blessing tonight. We pray, O oh God, that thou hast given uh, help to prepare in a study, that give, give help now to deliver and to, Lord, be a blessing unto thy people. And we pray, O oh God, that they'll be encouraged by it. So, Lord, hear prayer and bring glory to the Lord Jesus. For these things we asked in the Saviour's precious and His worthy name. Amen. Now, if you struggle with loneliness, you are not alone, ironically. One of the amazing paradoxes of our times is uh, that it is a life that is very lonely for many people. 
though there are more humans alive and around us than ever before. And many people, they have to deal with loneliness. In a recent study, it was found that an estimated 9 million people in the UK are often or always feel lonely. And I suspect that the figure is much higher. Loneliness is not confined to one group of people. It affects young people. It affects those in middle age. And it affects older people. It wasn't so long ago that the then Prime Minister, Theresa May, she appointed a Minister of Loneliness to address the situation. Many people are trying to deal or escape from their loneliness. And the growth of social media, well, it's proof of that fact. Many people, well, they post online about almost, just about almost everything. Where they go, what they eat, and what they do. And I think that comes from a sense of needing connection with others. It stems often from a feeling of loneliness that is somehow allayed by comments, by likes, by follows on a social media platform. What is loneliness? Well, a good way to understand something is to think what it is not. Loneliness is not necessarily solitude or singleness. Being alone and being lonely are two different things. One can be alone without being lonely, and one can be lonely without being alone. Albert Einstein, he said, it's strange to be known so universally and yet to be so lonely. He was among many people, many associates, many friends, and yet he had a sense of loneliness. Now, solitude for many is voluntary. There's many people, they enjoy spending time alone. They choose to be alone. And at times it's good for all of us to be alone, especially when it comes to the matter of communion with God. In the New Testament, we often find the Lord Jesus himself withdrawing from the crowd in order that he might spend time alone in prayer with his Father in heaven. So solitude and singleness does not necessarily equate to loneliness. Loneliness, I Suspect is one of those things that's hard to define, but it's easy understood when we experience it. Now I'm going to give my best shot at defining it with a study I've done concerning this, piecing it all together. Loneliness is a subjective feeling. It is an emotion brought on either by a genuine or a perceived separation from others where the individual is starved of emotional intimacy found in relationships and mutual activity. It causes a sadness to come over the individual. And it gives rise to such thoughts as, no one cares. No one is concerned about me. I'm not wanted. I'm not needed. I am unloved. I have no one to share experiences with, whether good or bad. I have no one to turn to in a time of need for my support. Loneliness can leave an individual feeling empty. And unfortunately, it is a pathway that leads a person sometimes into depression. Now, loneliness can come upon us for a number of reasons. If a person is left out by their peers if they are abandoned or rejected by their family, by society, 
they can become lonely. A change in circumstances in life can lead to loneliness. For example, someone moving away to another part of the country. Maybe a young person going away to university. Even a little child leaving a small country school and going to a large secondary school. Children leaving the home. They reach the age of marriage. And the, the fledglings fly the nest, as it were. And they can leave the parent or parents lonely. Maybe someone retires. They've often be surrounded by many, many people. And in their retirement, they begin to feel their loneliness, find themselves isolated. And then, of course, death. The home call of a beloved spouse. One who was there for many a year and now the seat is empty. And there are many, many people who experience loneliness because of that. Now while we don't find the word lonely or loneliness in the Bible, there are associated words. Words like desolate, forsaken, solitary, alone. And there are definite examples of people who experienced loneliness. And tonight, I want us to turn to the Word of God as we consider the subject together of loneliness. It's very prevalent in society. It's prevalent among our own members of our congregation. They might not openly admit it, but brethren and sisters, I said it might not be the Word for you tonight, but come some stage in your life, you'll experience loneliness. Firstly, I want to draw to your attention some case studies concerning loneliness. Now, obviously, biblical case studies. In the Bible, we find that the first words God addressed to man were concerning the fact that he was alone. That he did not have human communion or interaction or fellowship. All those things which factor into a person becoming lonely. One man, he made this comment. The first negative judgment that we find in Holy Writ is concerning loneliness. Genesis 2 and verse 18. We read, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And God solved that problem. By making Eve. And Adam was no longer alone. But you well know that sin arrived when they disobeyed God. And along with that came the sting of the most dreadful form of loneliness that anyone can ever know. And that was alienation from God. And it's because of the fall of Adam. Because of the fall that we now experience loneliness in all its many forms at one time and another. Now David experienced loneliness. And a sense of abandonment. In a series of earnest heartfelt appeals to God. He cried out to the Lord in his loneliness and his despair many times in the Psalms. What about it when his own son Absalom came against him? And the man, his own man rose up against him and he had to leave his own home, his own family, and to fly, make a flight into the desert. And in his loneliness, and in his affliction, he cried unto the Lord, Psalm 25, verse 16, Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate, lonely, and afflicted. In Psalm 102, 
In the verse 7, David, he uses very descriptive language. And he says this here, I watch, I am as a sparrow alone on the housetops. He felt all alone. But over in Psalm 142, we want to turn here and linger in this chapter. David gives the clearest statement concerning his sense of loneliness when he was in a cave. Either the cave of Engedi or Adullam or some other unnamed cave cavern in the Scripture. In Psalm 142 in the verse 4, this is what he says. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. And he gives in this chapter a detailed description of his emotions, how he felt at this time. Look what he says in verse 3. He says, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me. This word overwhelmed in the Hebrew can mean to shroud. And hence here was a man who felt he was in darkness. There's maybe a play on the words or on the situation that he found himself in, in the cave. The gloom had come upon this man. That's an accompanying emotion when one, someone feels lonely. There's no light, as it were, to cheer the soul. But not only did he feel that he was in the darkness, he also felt deserted. That's what he read there in verse 4. He says, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me, refuge failed me, no man cared for my soul. We could read the last sentence like this, no man sought after my life. In the sense of his well-being, not his destruction, there was no man who came to inquire after me to see how I was doing. There was no one came to my aid. He had a sense of total abandonment. And the result of him feeling in darkness and deserted, it led to him feeling depressed. Look at verse 6. Look what he says there in the middle of the verse. I am brought very low. He was brought into the valley experience. As if all his hope and joy of life was gone. He also had a sense of defeat. Because he says about his persecutors, his enemies, there in verse 6, they are stronger than I. He also feels he is detained. For he says in verse 7, bring my soul out of prison. It's a sense that he cannot get out of this situation that he finds himself in. He's locked into these circumstances and this state of mind. I wonder, does his experience resonate with you tonight? You feel in darkness, deserted, depressed, defeated, detained, all these things. Well, so did David in his loneliness. I say again this week how thankful we are for the, the raw honesty of the Psalms. You know, these are feelings that you and I would not share with one another, and yet the Lord has them in His Word. Not only to show us that this is what God's people at times felt like, but also to instruct us how God's people dealt with their loneliness, how they responded in such times. How did David respond? Well, he verbalized. 
He verbalized. This is a prayer. These are things that he told God about. He, he didn't bottle them up and think it improper to pour out his, to God what he was truly feeling. We see this over and over again in the psalm, verse 1, how he verbalized this. He says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, with my voice. Unto the Lord did I make supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. And then look down in verse 5, I cried unto thee, O Lord, I said. Now that might seem like an unoriginal thing to say from a psalm that David prayed. But you know, that's the first step. And dealing with the problem of loneliness. And it's worth saying again, verbalize it. Tell the Lord about it. Don't let the devil tell you, you shouldn't pray in such an honest manner before God. Christians shouldn't feel like that. And so you shouldn't be praying like that to God. The thing is, you do feel that way. And the thing is, the Lord already knows. So you might as well tell him. Not only did David verbalize, but David recognized. He recognized, as I said, that God already knew the misty valley of loneliness that he was walking through. Nothing was hid from his God. Look at verse number 3. It says, When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. The Lord knew that David was walking through this time of desperate loneliness. You think of the words of Job. What did he say? He said there, He knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God knows your isolation, child of God. He knows the lonely path you trod. David made this recognition that there's a God that sees him and knows all about him. But he also recognized that the Lord was his hiding place and his inheritance in such a time. You see, whatever or whoever else David did not have, he was able to say of the Lord that thou art my hiding place or my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. He also recognized that if he was going to be delivered from this condition, this low place in which he was in, it would be by the hand of the Lord. You see, he asked the Lord to deliver him, and he asked the Lord to bring him out of prison. And David was confident that the Lord would lift him out of this lonely place, and that he once again would have fellowship and communion with others. And David would praise the Lord for that. Look at verse 8. He says, or sorry, verse 7. He says, bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. The righteous, there's God's people, shall compass me about. Remember, he was deserted. He was alone. He was in the cave. We don't know the circumstances when he was, but that's what he is feeling. But he knew that the Lord would again bring him into fellowship and communion with God's people he said, the righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. There are other Old Testament characters that we could take as case studies. What about the prophet Elijah? 
Think about him after Carmel, the mighty victory there over the prophets of Baal. And we read of him in 1 Kings chapter 19. And where's he at? He's under the juniper tree. He's depressed. He's alone. He's discouraged. And he too finds himself in a cave. This time it's on Mount Horeb. And he says twice, he speaks of his loneliness, of his isolation. He says to God, I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. We could think of the prophet Jeremiah. What a lonely station that man had in life. You know, he belonged to a priestly family that had been ousted many generations before from the religious and the royal establishment. In addition to that embarrassing lineage that he had, Jeremiah was called at his birth to serve as a prophet during the most devastating events in Jewish history. And his life's experiences, they were crafted to reflect God's revelation of the people of Judah. You see, in his prophetic office, he was told that he wasn't to marry he was to remain single. The Lord instructed Jeremiah, Thou shalt not take a wife, neither shalt thou have sons or daughters in this place. One scholar said, Jeremiah's bachelorhood is so un unusual among the Jews that the Old Testament has no word for bachelor. It was so uncommon for a man to be alone in that manner. In the same chapter where the Lord says that he wasn't to take a wife or he wasn't to have children. Uh, Jeremiah 16, I believe it is. The Lord told him that he wasn't to go to the house of mourning. He wasn't to go to any funerals. He wasn't to go to the house of feasting. He wasn't to go to any weddings. And Jeremiah, he endured the absence of a spouse and a family. And he was removed from all social events. And had the thankless and despised task of being a prophet for the Lord. How lonely that man must have been. Then we come into the New Testament. We have the Apostle Paul. You listen to his pathos as he writes to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 9. Do thy diligence to come to me shortly, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You know, there were all their traveling companions with Paul, but he had dismissed them. He had sent them to various places in the ministry of the Lord. Now granted, Luke was with him at the time, but on down in that chapter, verse 16, Paul says this, at my first answer, standing before Nero, he says, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. The loneliness of the Apostle Paul. And what do these case studies teach us, brethren and sisters? Well, here's godly men. Here's spiritual men. Here's men who walked with God. They did mighty things for God. And yet, they experienced loneliness at some time in their life. Spurgeon made this comment, no believer traverses all the road to heaven in company. Lonely spots there must be here and there, though the greater part of our heavenward pilgrimage is made cheerful by the society of fellow travelers. 
Yet somewhere or another on the road, every man will find narrow tracks and close places where pilgrims must march in single file. See, the trial of loneliness, believer, is of such that is common to man. But God is faithful. And there is a way to escape its clutches that you might be able to bear it. Case studies concerning loneliness. But secondly, and our last two points will be a little shorter. But secondly, there is Christ and His loneliness. You see, there is one who understands, one who can identify, one who can sympathize with you when you pray to Him about your loneliness. Christ is a supreme case study of one who knew about loneliness. Since he is our great high priest, who's touched with the feelings of our infirmities, then it follows that he must have experienced loneliness from a human perspective. And his humanity, and he did. Remember, he was a true man, and he is a true man. A perfect man. And therefore you must say any sorrow, any rejection, any abandonment, any isolation, any loneliness that he felt would have been of the greatest degree. He would have felt it most keenly among men. What did we read at the start of the meeting? John 16 and the verse 32. Christ said to his disciples, those whom he had called and those who were his friends... And what did he say? say to them? Verse 32, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And I'll end there, just for now. See, he was left alone just when most as a man he needed human sympathy. You see, solitude to him during his earthly life was, well, was a cause of strength. It was something he did voluntarily. He was strong in his public ministry because of the hours that he spent in solitude on the lone mountainside with his father. But when he came to his hour of agony, his perfect humanity longed after human sympathy. Yet it was absent. It was absent from him. See, he was alone in the Garden of Gethsemane. Though he took the eleven with him, yet eight of them he left at the entrance at the gate. And even though three were brought a little nearer, they remained at a stone's throw from him. And when he was taken by the Roman rabble, it's then we read, Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. It wasn't that they were all traitors. They were simply all cards. He was alone at his trial. There was no one to stand up and to give an honest account and character reference concerning him. He was alone in his scourging. There was no friend, there was no family member, there was no healed individual who stood up and cried out for mercy or leniency. He was alone through all of that, humanly speaking, 
And yet he was able to say, as he did in John 16, 32, Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. But he could not say that at Calvary. He couldn't say it at Calvary. Yes, he was alone in a human sense as he hung upon the tree. And that was a grief that he had to bear. But furthermore, he was abandoned in the ultimate sense, a spiritual sense, as indicated by his heart-rending cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? See the loneliest man that ever lived upon the middle tree. That is a loneliness that none of us can ever comprehend. That's the depths of loneliness that you and I can never fathom. How lonely the Savior was on the middle tree. This he endured. In order that he might bring many sons to glory. In order that we would have fellowship with him. And that we would never know the loneliness of a lost eternity. Aren't you glad there's one who understands and who cares when you're feeling lonely? Case studies concerning loneliness. Christ and his loneliness. Finally tonight, comfort for our loneliness. You see, there is comfort for us in our loneliness. Three things, and I can only mention these sub-points and a few points under them very briefly. Firstly, we have the comfort of the promises of God. That great promise, the soulest many, a lonely soul. Hebrews 13 verse 5. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Those are drawn from words spoken to Moses, or sorry, Joshua, who would have felt a sense of loneliness after the death of Moses. And you well know that in the Greek, Hebrews 13 verse 5, it's an emphatic and affirmative. We can never be and are never alone. Remember that the Lord is a real person. A real person. He hears, He speaks, He acts, He loves. And His bodily presence, well, it might not be with us. But that's in order that His Spirit might be with every child of God in every place at all times. The Lord will not forsake you for His great name's sake. There's a comfort of the promises of God. There's also the comfort of the people of God. Can I say to you that self-imposed isolation will not help anyone in their loneliness? It might be what you want to do, and it might be what you think is best to do. But God has put us together in spiritual families for the mutual care and benefit the one of the other. Coming together and fellowshipping the one with another. It's what the Lord commands, and He does it. He commands it for our good. It will help us. Not only because we're underneath the sanctifying influence of the Word of God, 
and we gain spiritual strength and comfort from it, but we associate with others who are going through the same thing. And we can share with them in their burden. There's comfort in the promises of God, the people of God, and thirdly, the purposes of God. See, God is sovereign in all things. And it's God that brings us into such circumstances where we find ourselves lonely at times. And resting ourselves on the sovereignty of God, that's a blessed silken pillow to put your head upon at night. God has His purposes and His plans for you. See, when people are lonely, what are they tempted to think? What do they think? Well, what use am I? I'm not needed. No one will miss me if I'm God. Isn't that what the old devil would seek to bring into your mind? But that's not the case, believer. You see, the Apostle Paul, he addresses such thoughts in 1 Corinthians 12. Every member, every single member has a part in the body of Christ and is needful. And there is a part, there is a place, there is a purpose, there is a plan for you. There is a purpose of glorifying God for you still to fulfill while you're in this world, those circumstances have brought you into a season of loneliness. Let the purposes of God be a comfort to you. There's a reason why I'm here. There's a purpose God has placed me here and why I'm going through this. And I am part of the body of Christ. The promises of God, the people of God, and the purposes of God. Let them comfort your heart, child of God. I finish tonight with the story of a woman called Helen Cain. And she had lived quite a sheltered life. She was the youngest of the family of, of five. And she had never known what it was to be alone. Her family was always together. They did things together. They worked together. They played together. They sang together. They worshipped together. But she found herself at a time of life when her parents and her brother and her three sisters had all been taken from her and then. And she suddenly found herself in an empty house. She never had her own key for that house because there was always someone at home to let her in. Now there was no one there. For a few weeks in her grief, a niece came to stay with her. But then the time came for her niece to go and so she took her to the station and she drove back home. For the first time in her life, Helen would return to an empty home. And as she walked up the steps, she lifted up her heart to the Lord and she cried to Him for help. The first thing she did when she went into the house was to turn on the radio for a little bit of background noise to take away the silence off those empty rooms. She walked across to the wardrobe to hang up her coat. And she heard the words from the radio sang from the old-fashioned Revival R Quartet. 
No, never alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me. Never to leave me alone. And in that moment she realized that the Lord was with her. And that she was not alone. Brethren and sisters, loneliness. It can be a crippling emotion. And along with it comes all those other dark feelings. Feeling of being in darkness and deserted. Detained. Depressed. All those other things. Let us be on the lookout. Let us be on the lookout for those who may find themselves in such a condition even especially at this time of the year. And encourage them. Visit them. Make contact with them. Pray for them. That they would know the blessedness of the sweetness of the presence of the Lord. That they would be assured that God has a purpose for their life. And that they would know there is a people to whom they can join themselves to find mutual comfort and strength. Brothers and sisters, there's many people, the elderly, the shut-in, the bereaved, and they are lonely. They are lonely. You're maybe here, you're not alone, but you're lonely. Well, we have seen that God's man, God's man being spiritual, being godly, does not exempt us from at times walking alone. We have thought about the loneliness of Christ, the loneliest man that ever lived. We have thought about the comfort, the promises of God, the people of God, and the purposes of God. The Lord's interested in His dear people. And I trust that the Lord will make this study a blessing to your heart. Let's bow in prayer before we turn to a hymn to praise the Lord. Let's, let's unite in prayer. Our gracious God and loving Father, you're the one that knows the hearts of all. Or the people in here, possibly, and you sit beside someone, yet, Lord, there is a crippling loneliness in their heart. Circumstances of life have brought them into such a condition. Lord, I pray for them. I pray that you would draw near to them. Be like as you were unto David, that you'll bring them out of that low place, that you'll encourage them with your promises. Lord, may we as God's people be watchful and prayerful, kind and loving. Lord, always speaking a word of encouragement. Lord, remember those who are lonely and those who will feel it very keenly, even at this time of the year, a time when families draw together, but seats are empty. And Lord, that brings its pain with it. Lord, bless your children. Draw alongside to them. Be a comfort unto them. We thank you for the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, the one who comes alongside with strength. And I pray that you will bear your people up. So Lord, hear prayer. Bring glory to Christ. 
For this I asked in his precious name. Amen.